Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hey guys, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jen. And I'm Sarah. And And you're you're listening to Fathomless. Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Fathomless. Welcome back. So we have um, a, guest, have a guest, our first we guest, have our first on the show guest ever. Woo! It is Sarah, it who is, is Sarah. a very good friend of ours. So Sarah is my roommate from college. Hi. She she is very near and dear to my heart. She is a very special person to me, and um, she had something that she kind of wanted to bring up on our podcast yeah, or like just come dark history just come on the podcast and you can just take the reins and this will be your episode and yeah. you're gonna teach us about some shit today so yeah, some weird shit well it's not we'll see what happens so i'm from western mass and i live very close to the quabbin and we have a lot of cool stuff to talk about today amanda's gonna get into it as well and yes. I'm just here to talk about like what the Quabbin is today and how it came about. So the Quabbin, it was four towns. It is Dana, Greenwich, Enfield, and Prescott. Those are ghost towns today. They are now underneath water. I think it's like the deepest point of the Quabbin is like 151 feet. Um, yeah. So from 1930 to 1939, they built this and pushed 2,500 people out of their homes And the reason why they did this was because Boston was having a water shortage in the 1920s. The Lake Constituent was lacking and it wasn't giving enough water to 40 other communities from Boston and beyond. So they pushed them out, made a bunch of dikes around the area. People can go fishing, kayaking, um, some places you actually cannot go to. Um, But I know there was one weird story that I had. It was the north end um, up near Athol. There was this random hut that was made and you're not supposed to build anything that is state property yeah but it, it just looked like someone was camping out there it was kind of weird but um yeah very weird there's that but it's it's sad how everything happened um well, fun fact actually i'm not gonna get sad yet so the movie super troopers 2 was filmed there oh my god no way what yes, yes it was pretty cool everyone in town was wicked excited about it um that's a, too funny it <laughs> I watched it and I got so excited. I was like, I've been on that road. Oh my god! It's I like that. when I watched Jumanji because it was filmed in Keene. I'm like, yes. I'm there every day in that spot. That's so funny. You feel like almost famous. I'm just, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I get it. It's like when you go to Salem and you see the Hocus Pocus house. You're like, yeah. Yes. Like, oh my god, I've been there. <laughs> I love that movie. So it's yeah, I get that. You need to feel like you feel like you're part of Hollywood. I'm for that. <laughs> Hollywood, Amanda. Stop. Hollywood. I'm for that. But yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this because I am, I mean, everybody on this podcast knows I'm all about some history with Amanda. And now it's history with Amanda and Sarah. Yeah. So Sarah uh, took me to the Quabbin um, a long time ago, like 12 years ago, maybe. And this is yeah. the biggest water yeah. reservoir in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if we explained that or not. Yeah. We, t- we just kind of jumped right into it. But yeah, it's the biggest water reservoir in the state, right? The state? 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Sarah took me there um, a long time ago, and it is fucking crazy. We walk up this like tower, you can see like the whole fucking thing, and then there's like a whole plaque where it explains all the towns. And I was just like, I, I just like couldn't stop thinking about it. So I'm yeah. finally excited it's, to. It's crazy, and this do happened during like the Great Depression too. So it was a it was a big project for the towns in the surrounding area and for the state too because it created a lot of jobs for families so people like really wanted to to work on this but it also they dis like sarah said they displaced 2500 people um yes most of those people to get paid for their homes because it was all seized through eminent domain which essentially is the government can seize any type of private property and then give you the market value for that property um the fair market value as they put it um, which is obviously, as we know, with the U.S. government, no- nothing is ever entirely fair. Um, but uh, they'll give you the fair market value for your property, and then you just have to kind of figure out another place to live, uh, which is really shitty because a lot of these people did not know where to go. They had built their entire lives in these towns. And not only that, but not a lot of people wanted to leave, especially up in Dana. They yes, actually, they like petitioned yes, against it. Yes, and they have a plaque that yep. says... To all those who sacrificed their homes and way of life. And they had a Dana reunion in 1996. Yeah. They, um, that was a town that also, I saw that they had like a big uh, party right before they were forced to leave. Like in the town hall, it was one of like the last things standing. They had like a big like gathering of everyone in the town. And there was even more people than, than actually lived in the town of Dana came to that like farewell ball for the town. Uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, I have a bunch of pictures too, because of course I I come from a construction worker family. So I did a bunch of searching into like the construction of it and the demolishing of all the homes. And I found a ton of photographs because I mean, this is right when photographing became like, you know, it was pretty still up and coming. Um, But they had a ton of photographs of the construction of the reservoir itself. And just like, you know, a few homes barely standing one of the town halls that had like this huge kind of church steeple looking thing was one of the last things that they tore down before they completely flooded the reservoir and then it took seven years for it to like get to the height that it's at now the water level which is crazy and the water is super clear it is because it's supposed to be drinking water so yes if you go to the good enough dike or the windsor dike you can see a good couple 20, 30 feet down. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little, but you you can see very far down. Yeah, it's definitely very clear. Um, I there's a documentary on YouTube that was uh, it was like I want to say like early 2000s. I don't know if you watched it, Sarah. That had uh, people diving in there. They had a Massachusetts State diver team that actually went into the Quabbin and they were like trying to search to see if there was any remnants of the town left. And they said that it was incredibly clear there was actually fish there because they did introduce fish to the reservoir to try to create some kind of natural environment. Um, Didn't you say that there was like a like a church if the water's low enough you can still see? Did they so not completely I clear it out? So I searched for that and there's no church actually. Um, there a was a picture. That was probably just like a local Well, myth. no, so there was a picture that kept popping up when I was searching for the Quabbin, and there was a church popping out of the steeple, and it was a church in, like, Argentina, and it was a similar thing. The town had been flooded, and it was, like, hundreds of years old, but they uh, left no buildings. There was foundations of homes, and you could see old roadways, and you could actually see headstones that were left over, even though 
they had said that they removed all of the headstones. I actually, I know somewhere in my notes, I have the exact count of bodies that were removed and headstones that were displaced. Yeah, they were moved right across the street from the southern end of the Quabbin. You can see dates like 1700s and on. It's, yeah. It's interesting. It's it's crazy. I um, I couldn't believe it. It was like, uh, oh, here it is. It was 7,631 graves were dug up and relocated. And it was over 1,000 um, or 100,000 acres of land that were purchased, um, which is just absurd. It was 1,400 buildings removed and 34 cemeteries that were exhumed and all of the graves removed. Are you sure they got all the bodies, though? Um, You know what? That's what a lot of people questioned. So they said what would happen because, was when they were removing them, know. they were putting them on carriages in stacks of like 10 or 12. And then moving them across town to the the memorial cemetery. It's like remember the haunted cemeteries episode that we did, the yeah. Bourne Cemetery, how they relocated a bunch of graves, but they mixed up the headstones. They did. Um, there is also there's a, a highway in Rhode Island that was built through a cemetery, and uh, it was later found out that not all of the bodies were relocated as it was said it was. So. There very well could be. When they were down there, like I said, they had said that there were supposed to be no headstones down there, but they found several headstones intact. They also found the opening to a mausoleum, like, uh, you know, like we've discussed before um, in our vampire panic episode. In the winter in New England, you can't bury bodies, so they kept them in mausoleums over, like, you know, over the w winter periods until they could actually dig into the frozen ground. And bury these bodies so they found like the opening of like a crypt and they found a large cemetery like a family plot that had like the stone pillars like m marking like the square of the family plot and a big like memorial statue for the family as well uh so there's definitely still a ton of stuff down there you can still see like the roads and stuff like that um but as far as like buildings like physical buildings those were all completely demolished and they flattened it out and they actually did controlled forest fires and brush burning in order to like completely clear the land and make it like it like Sarah said make it perfectly crystal clear water without like a lot of debris in it there is algae growing in there now there's actually like a super rare algae that only like grows up in like this northeast area that's growing in that pond and that was never introduced it just kind of started growing on its own so scientists think that's pretty freaking cool that it's becoming like its own self-sustaining ecosystem. But other than fish, they really fish and um, actually eagles. They haven't really introduced anything else into that area. Uh, but in the 80s, between like 1983 and like 1988, um, the bald, in, uh, bald Eagle Reintroduction Society brought pairs, like mating pairs of eagle to the Quabbin Reservoir and allowed them to nest in that area. And as of 2022, Massachusetts actually had 80 territorial pairs of eagles living and nesting in oh, Massachusetts. Oh, I love that. That's freaking awesome. I think is really fucking cool. Uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, most of the stuff that I have on the Quabbin. It's uh, it's did, very interesting. Did you know a little while ago, I can't remember the exact year, but they introduced rattlesnakes to one of the islands um in the middle. Ooh. So I saw that, but I wasn't sure if it was. Um, I think it went through. It went through or not. But yeah, there was there's several islands. And I know that they I saw um, I saw a couple articles talking about how they were proposing that because timber rattlesnakes are native to Massachusetts in this area. 
and their numbers are dwindling. So to put them on an island would be good because they'll have access to food of their own, but they're not going to really be bothering people, which is pretty cool. That is very cool. Um, I did also see an article that in like the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a scare because they noticed that in the 40s, they had actually been um, testing bombs in that area and they found uh, missile heads in the water. And I have a picture of one of them, which is crazy. Um, And they were concerned that they were giving off some type of nuclear radiation. Uh, but thankfully, no like large amounts of radiation were found in you know the drinking water of the greater Boston area. When was this? It was um I believe it was early nineties. I gotta find it in my notes. But yeah, they found uh, I it was never knew that uh, different uh, testing around the Quabbin Reservoir, which I think is crazy. I remember when nine eleven happened. They had tanks outside every entrance of the Quabbin. No planes were allowed to fly over. And it. we were young. I was in third, fourth grade, fourth grade. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, Mom, what's, what's that? So didn't you guys say there were like like some like hauntings or just some like weird So things? they do believe that um, because all of the bodies were displaced that the like moved around that the Memorial Cemetery is haunted. But I couldn't find any like definitive stories about it. But the fact that you made that many families and that many, you know, towns up and move, definitely there's going to be a lot of negative energy around that. It would also be hard to go out there at night seeing as how it's state property. Like, I would love to go out there and find out, but I'm not looking to get arrested. <laughs> but yeah, um, like, how, I don't know how else people would be able to find that out if there's anything spooky going on out there. Also, it was 2009 um, when they were searching the area of the drinking water um, because in World War II, they had been using the area as a bomb testing site. <coughs> Sorry. I don't remember hearing that. I must have been completely oblivious. I'm going to have to send you the article. It's Please on MassLive.com, but I thought that was so crazy. It was just practice bombs. It wasn't anything like super crazy, but the fact that they used, it was because it was a big open area. Uh, but yeah, they actually, they went underneath and they found them in the water. What? I'm showing Sarah a picture of it now. I'll post it on our Instagram. What the hell? Yeah, I found some. Uh, so, I mean, between that, between having World War II bombing, um, between having families during the Great Depression, you know, displaced from their homes and forced to move out of the only places that they knew, uh, the documentary that's on YouTube, I'll, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, it actually had some family, some people who had lived in those towns as children who remembered living there and having to up and move and like leave, you know, their childhood homes behind. Just really sad. Imagine if you had to leave your childhood home behind and then it was bulldozed. The area was lit aflame and then flooded with water. And it wasn't even for your own drinking water. It was for a place like, you know, a good hundred miles away. It just sucks knowing that, like, you can never go visit your yeah, you can't go visit home, your childhood home or like drive by it. Exactly. Or, or like, yeah, like go to your old hometown and like I mean, go to at least old corner store again. Yeah, you could. You take a submarine. <laughs> but, is it too soon for submarine jokes? I don't. I. It's never too soon for submarine jokes. Eat the rich. <laughs> We've been making submarine jokes since that happened. <laughs> I'll give you the 
PlayStation controller to go with it. Exactly. You know, we'll be fine. Oh, and I lied about the rattlesnakes. It actually never went through. Oh, okay. So I see. I remember seeing the article, but I wasn't sure if it was. Uh, but that was honestly would have been a cool proposition. I'm all for the, the timber rattlesnakes being allowed back in their natural environment. They should have never been removed from their natural environment in the first place. The nope ropes deserve a home. They do. They are still around. You will probably never see one, but, you know, just be safe. There are rattlesnakes in Massachusetts, in New Hampshire, all over New England. Got some cool snakes. Um, do you have a picture of the, the plaque outside the entrance, I one do. of the entrances? I do. I have a couple uh, pictures of the entire, um, the entire, like, construction process and everything and i just handed jen some pictures i actually i think i brought jen to um munson turnpike road that's one of the roads that goes right into the water and yes i i saw pictures of that one yes and on the side they still have um i'm assuming it was the equipment that would bring out like big things of rock and foundation up um it's still on the side of the road to this day they never took it down it's crazy how it happened. I the whole eminent domain thing really just blows my mind. It's happened several other times um for things, you know, that weren't quite as useful as like drinking water. I've seen somewhere it's happened and like, you know, big apartment buildings have been made or like privatized, like, you know, companies just take stuff. It's it's crazy how that's yeah. a thing. There's a dam um when I was visiting my parents North Carolina. It's around Lake Norman. I think like the same thing. He was saying how they had to like flood out like three separate towns. Yeah, there's a a couple areas. I think Lake Lanier is another one that they had to flood. That like several is like crazy. Like that's like one haunted ass fucking lake. Destroy all the buildings. But yeah, I just think it's completely fascinating how towns just get drowned out to make water reservoirs so i just sent you a couple pictures of the construction i'm gonna post all of these on the instagram too i don't know if i didn't share jen lives in the middle of nowhere so the service is a little a little rough but i'll give them to you guys to scroll through we'll post them on the instagram and stuff um i have pictures of like the town uh the quabbin when it wasn't full but they had like completely you know they had done all of the controlled burning and ripped everything apart um, another thing that I forgot to mention, uh, that I mentioned to Jen earlier in this, uh, there's a, a video on YouTube. I'll have to share it where they're talking about the Quabbin and they mentioned that prior to making the reservoir there out in Western Mass, there was a couple other locations in Massachusetts they were looking at to make a large we- reservoir for the drinking water of Boston. And one of the sp- spots that were on like the map that were like proposed spots of the Quabbin was one of them there was another one that was actually in Plymouth County Massachusetts which is where Jen and I grew up and we were just talking about how imagine if we lived in that like what towns would have been you know completely flooded to make that reservoir and how weird it would have been to live in that area and have had that That idea would have been horrible because like it would have halted like traffic to Plymouth and the Cape and that's exactly. like that's their money maker and I think that's much. why they didn't go through with it but yeah it was like down in that area of Massachusetts and it was very I just thought that was a, a cool little thing that I saw yeah, on that they were considering that now I mean Western Mass makes way more sense because oh absolutely it was a, it's more a desolate out there and they said that the essentially their idea was that not none of those towns 
were making enough money for the state that it would have made a difference to them if they got rid of them entirely to make drinking water for the greater area of Boston. It was that was a very poor area for sure. Yeah, which is it's sad that that's the way they saw it, that it was just, you know, and a, a lot of the farmers did get, you know, money for their their land that they lost, but they didn't like they lost crops. Some of them weren't able to move their livestock and they never got compensation for that. You know, they just got the the market value of what their home and their land was worth. And that was it. They're not yeah. concerned about their livelihoods that they lost. And if those people were even had the ability to go buy land elsewhere and continue doing what they've done for years, which is really sad. And I mean, families who had had farms there for generations lost their family farm, which is inc- just a very sad, very sad story. Yeah. All for Crazy. some drinking water. We know this episode was very spooky, scary, but history like this is really fascinating. Yeah, we love a good dark history. I think it's fathomless that four towns just get, you know, completely decimated. You got to post those pictures because those are are some great pictures. It's like ghost town, the last buildings being torn down. It's crazy. Very, very cool pictures. And it was cool to have Sarah come on and, you know, talk about, you know, an area that she grew up in. It was great to be here. Thanks. It was awesome. I um, love it. We may or may not have more guests soon on our upcoming episodes. Yeah. So we got some spooky, scary things planned for spooky season. Yeah, it's spooky Very season. Exciting. It's spooky season. And it's almost our one year anniversary of Fathomless. Almost. So if you've been here yep. since the beginning in our shitty audio. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Appreciate we're sticking through it. We thank appreciate you. Through you. The shit. If you stick around during our pointless banter, we fucking love that thanks for listening to our nonsense thanks for thinking we're celebrities yeah you know we are celebrities. wait we're not celebrities we're not unfortunately we're not wait since when i mean since ever i thought having a podcast (laughs) automatically made you famous clearly it does we're on the internet we're famous i'm doing this wrong yeah we're doing it wrong oh well all right we'll come back with a new plan next week yep don't worry guys we'll see you on the next one and stay spooky Stay scary and stay Stay safe. safe. Bye. Bye.